Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to NXT Then Now Forever. I'm James Boyd and I'm here with Senior Analyst of Sports Kita, SocialSuplex.com Analyst, SocialSuplex.com Podcast Network All-Star, Simon Cotton. What's going on, man? And how you been? Doing all right? (laughs) Watch some good wrestling and some great wrestling from New Japan today, so I'm in a good mood for once. Oh, you ain't got nothing to say great about NXT? Nah? No? I said said good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. This is an audio medium. I know that. But if y'all saw the face he made on the podcast, he was like, how do I not lie while also not being, like, mean? (laughs) That was fantastic. Yeah, so... Um, this is the makeup episode that, uh, for those that um, that uh, missed last week's uh, disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, we were actually missed out on doing TakeOver, which we should have reviewed last week. But there was so much going on. And there was NBA Finals game. And sorry, the NBA Finals is always going to take precedent. Sorry, guys. So, but we are back. Right. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> so... Anyway, we are going to uh, make up for that, so we are going to do NXT TakeOver, the first TakeOver from, I think, May 29th of 2014, and also that week's following NXT, so to catch up up, that'll catch us up on the retro shows, so we'll be right back to per week, um, five years ago, and then um, after this show, because we are recording right before game, uh, before this week's NXT, and also game three of the NBA Finals, I will come back on later, and after the NBA Finals, I will watch this week's NXT, and then I will give you a solo review. Um, but I do appreciate Simon for coming back on, just to give you guys a heads up of what's going on. So, if you need to know the uh, a table of contents, the timestamps, everything, I will leave that in the description uh, per usual of the podcast. But for now, let's just get to NXT TakeOver. Natalia in trouble. Could she tap out to her own submission maneuver? Great counter, and great counter there by Natalia. If anybody knows how to counter, uh, Whoa. Natalia comes up and down to the queen. Charlotte into the cover of Natalia. Charlotte, Charlotte's the NXT Women's Champion. Okay, so one of the things that I always like to do when I watch these old NXT uh, shows is listen to some of the quotes, whether it be from the guy who does the voiceovers for a little intro. Or if it's William Regal who's saying something interesting. And the first thing that struck out to me is this quote for the TakeOver show that is really telling considering the state of WWE right now, or at least its main roster. And I quote, the only constant in life is change. Change is necessary. We must evolve or face extinction. So just want to put that out there. 
Hmm. I, granted, WWE ain't gonna go extinct, but when it's it's clearly not good right now. So, are you saying that uh, WWE right now is in a uh, was it a survival of the fittest, and they look fat as fuck right now? Is that what you're getting at? Yep, and currently behind them is a gazelle or a cheetah that's running it up and trying to take a bite out of their ass. So, uh... <laughs> see, I don't see WWE as being fat as fuck as much as like they're the dumbass that goes too far all over, extends himself on the limb, and the and the branches breaks, <laughs> and they fall to their to their untimely demise. Um, who knows? You know. Chances are there is not a hard fall or hard landing because you know they're insulated by their TV deals. But I don't know what's the turnaround five years from now after these TV deals are done with because it, it seems like their whole entire storytelling creative process is fried. And th- and we've been saying this well before uh, Dean Ambrose. We've been saying this since like 2017, at, at, at least for me, like I've been critical on it as far as the storytelling from, you know, picking up and dropping stuff from doing stuff at random from the crash TV gag site stuff they do, which I mean, some of that stuff's always been in wrestling, but it, it, it's, that's supposed to be like the trash stuff between the good stuff, as opposed to now where it is the trash stuff between the other trash stuff. So, um, I mean, the wrestling is good as it's ever been at bell to bell action, but even that has its problem. Like there was a, the six man tag on raw. I didn't watch raw or SmackDown. I only heard about it. The six man tag, uh, between the Usos or the bloodline Usos and Roman versus McIntyre and the revival. That's like a 13, 14 minute match. And it had two commercial breaks in it. Yeah. So we're just eight minutes. We're just taking eight minutes out of a, or eight to 10 minutes out of a 13 minute match. Why? Forget the forget the fans who are watching on TV and the people who are watching that in the stadium. We got to get these sponsors in because we need a commercial break this early. When meanwhile, there's been talking segments that go 20 minutes, especially when Triple H shows up. But, you know, never mind that. I mean, there's always a balance to define, right? Like, I'm not saying it's, you know, don't put any commercials between matches. I'm saying. Right come up with a medium to where you can be able to entertain your fans and also not match mess up the match story that only the people in the crowd see like they already had that though, with smackdown so right. it's like why why aren't they implementing that with raw right i know you're talking about like the pretty much the before the uh, side of the main event like at the beginning of the first hour how they had those cutting commercials i get you i i'm thinking more or less like well, I, I'm me personally. I am as a wrestling fan does reviews for the, or was doing reviews weekly for these shows. I am quite frustrated by. I watch a match, we leave the match, we come back, and the crowd is hot, and I have no idea why the crowd is hot. Sometimes they show me, sometimes they don't. Sometimes and sometimes they'll show stuff that that leads you believe like why would the crowd react that level that way to that, whatever. So. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's really it's really frustrating and I mean it's also frustrating at times when you watch in these NXT shows right now current like they don't do this anymore where they cut in the middle of a main event match where they'll cut to a commercial break but they were doing this five years ago and so on some of these retro shows you'll hear me put that in the notes that like simply they cut to a commercial break on a network that is subscription paid based to put another commercial for the fucking network what kind of inception shit is this <laughs> right um <laughs> 
but anyway, we we've gotten way off track, and I'm. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna get to it. Show starts off with Camacho versus Adam Rose. Adam Rose comes out first. He starts while outside a full cell, walking in, and next to him at the fr- at the very front is f- his future WrestleMania main event winner Becky Lynch, dressed. I don't know what she's supposed to be dressed like. I don't know, but she she I seems think she's awfully happy. Like what? I think she's supposed to, I think she's supposed to be a fairy or something. I, I honestly don't know. But isn't that Alexa Bliss's gimmick that she's a cheerleader fairy? No. Were you supposed to be a tag team? I thought her gimmick was untalented. That's that's not a gimmick. That is. I mean, well, there have been people <laughs> that had gimmicks that they were untalented, like David Flair, for example, and stuff like that. And there, uh, been, you know, but you know that that's not really what it. It's not. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not what right. it's supposed to be. She was supposed to be at one point like a Harley Quinn type of aesthetic, mean girl thing, yeah, uh, mean girl manipulative genius, but she kind of does that w- kind of well, aside from when they give her bad scripting, like they give everybody bad scripting and bad well, TV segments. If you say... <laughs> she, are you say uh, so do you, that's a conversation for another time. That's a conversation for another time with Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry. We just got to move on. So, uh, then out comes Camacho. Uh, Camacho's in great shape. He comes out looking like a, like a straight out of the, the WWE, like playbook. Like you see him and you're like, okay, so I see what it was. Camacho, Roman, Jason Jordan, like, yeah. and then whoever else here would come down the line. Like that was, the, that was what the, Performance Center was supposed to like pull off of the ceiling line of all guys that look like David Otunga slash John Cena, but some guys have <laughs> yeah. to be able to work and be charismatic. Man, this Camacho stuff is hilarious. I was watching him coming out to that generic Hispanic music, uh, spot uh, spotting his freshest khakis and high tops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I. Okay, so he's from Juarez, Mexico, by way of. Southern California, but we never mentioned the, the byway of Southern California. Like he's supposed to be, never mind. I'm, he's supposed to be like some East LA dude, but he's not an East LA dude. He's from Juarez, but they don't know. They don't know enough people to know that there's a difference amongst that. Amongst that, you know, no, that's just nah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's from the streets. <laughs> So they they have a match. I, I I okay. So it's some real. It starts off with some real Bugs Bunny shit to begin with. Like uh, Camacho gets him at a full Nelson. Adam Rose has no way to. He has he doesn't know how to get out of it. So he says, "I'm just gonna grind on this man." So why are you looking at me like that? Sorry, why are you looking at me like that? What? I ain't, I I ain't mean to do that. Just, the moment I saw Adam Rose, I'm like, I don't I don't. Like I got a note in here, just focusing on him. Like, what did people see in Adam Rose again? Because his, like, what's his gimmick? Is because the only thing I really ever liked about him was his entrance song. I'm like, okay, what happens when he gets in the ring? Oh, nothing. He's Russell Brand. That's his gimmick. <laughs> He's Russell Brand. That's literally his gimmick, and that's cool because like that's something. But you know, there was. It's one of those things where, like, once they got onto the main roster, I thought that the interest was going to be so over that he would be able to buy him some time until he's able to get, you know, brought into the main, the mid card, you know, level or whatever else. But, but, 
I thought they had more legs than Fandango because there were so many different parts to play with. Like Fandango is he has a dan he's a dancer and then that about it. With Rose, like he had the bunny, he had the rosebuds, he had the dance. You could have had a bunch of different hills, like try to try to mess with him. You had a bunch of different like outs to do like fun like storytelling finishes with all that stuff he had in his bag. But, you know, probably was too small for Vince's liking. Probably thought it was too com- too much of a comedy act for it to have any real, you know, legs. And he said, it's a comedy act. Let's bring it up for the time being and then have him fight his bunny for shine. And that's where he ended up. Did they, did they ever identify who the bunny is? No, and I've been trying to figure it out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, they said at one point it was Justin Gabriel. Uh, Look, you know what? You know what it probably was? The bunny was probably on some black scorpion shit for like all of a sudden like, oh, it's one person this week, then the next week. And then like when it's time for a big reveal, like it'll be the equivalent of like how Ric Flair was a, was the black scorpion. <laughs> like, it's probably something like that. Um, it, it, it's Sin Cara, ain't it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> not not Hunico either. It's another Sin Cara. <laughs> oh, my God. No, nah, I'd love to say like if, if, if Unico was the bunny <laughs> they should be tag team champions and still be undefeated ain't nobody whooping unico period <laughs> not at all yeah so so anyway uh yeah they like i said full nelson he gets out of it by, by grinding into camacho camacho say he don't play that so <laughs> so uh <laughs> he stomps the hell out of him rolls and uh while he's stomping him out I think Todd Phillips he mentions that uh, Camacho is from Juarez, Mexico, and I'm and in my notes I write, yeah, and I'm from England, Sussex <laughs> to be precise. Yeah, so he mounts a comeback with punches. Uh, Adam Rose mounts some punch uh, with punches, and he gets a spine buster. The crowd then chants, "We are Rosebuds," and there's one dissenter in the crowd that chants, "I'm a lemon." Uh, we we get. <laughs> uh, you sure you weren't in Orlando on May 29th, 2014, Simon? I don't associate. I don't usually uh, rebel by calling myself a type of fruit. So I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I wouldn't have responded. Period. My my response would have been to just stand there looking at y'all talking about we are rosebuds. Oh don't god. be a lemon. Hey man, you gotta let that. <laughs> you gotta let that toxic masculinity go. This man said <laughs> I will not call myself a fruit. That's not why I meant it. It's, it's figurative, man. It's figurative. Can we do that part? <laughs> no, you're good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, where where are we now? Yeah, so Adam Rose hits yeah. his, his the uh, Bronco Buster in the corner. Uh, then he ends up hitting his uh his snap mare driver for the win. Post-match on commentary, Regal says that he met, that uh, he once met uh, Elvis impersonator that does a wonderful rendition of Blue Suede Shoe. What? Elvis used to do a song called Blue Suede Shoes. He said right. he met a one-legged Elvis impersonator that did a great rendition of Blue Suede Shoe. And that, you know what? It's Adam Rose. Whatever. No. <laughs> Okay, so we're showing a highlight video of Sami Zayn, and it follows uh, his journey and also his matchup against Tyler Breeze tonight. He says that he said that this Cesaro matchup put put him on the map uh, at NXT arrival. He says that he's been so driven on following his dreams that he hasn't 
uh, been the best brother to his brother or the best son to his parents or even the best friend uh, to some of his friends because he's so driven to make it to the top. And Tyler Breeze's focus is more on sure. what's in front of his face. That's why he's always uh, that's why he's always looking at his phone. And he mentions that. But while they're different, they're both uh, they both share the same goal of becoming the number one contender for the NXT Championship. I thought this was good. That promo, anyway. Yeah, and it's kind of funny when you consider the fact that when he makes that line about not being the best friend to some of his other friends, yep. like a year later, Kevin Owens comes in and whips his country ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, after this, we end up getting, it's Ascension time. It's Yah time. It's, uh... No, 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 no. Before then, Brandy Rose makes an announcement informing everyone in the audience that Tyler Breeze has, in fact, come into the building. Uh, <laughs> Okay, like I know that, like I, I know that when me and you get on the mic, we go to digressing. That's not helping. <laughs> so we got we gotta try to get this under control. Otherwise, we're gonna be doing this part for like we won't get out of takeover until the finals already like at halftime. So yeah, yeah, yes, that did happen. Uh, so then we end up getting uh, it's yacht time. It's Ascension versus uh, El Local, which is uh, Ricardo Rodriguez and Kalisto. This was actually like really good. I forgot how good the Ascension was. You like this match? I thought it was just okay. Yeah, I mean, like I wrote down stars for some of these stuff, and I gave okay. it like I gave it like a three point two five. Like, huh? Okay, I, I, I could have dealt without them beating up the little guy for seven minutes, but at least it was fun. Like they didn't just do clothesline, headlock, punch, kick, clothesline, headlock. That's, that's true. Like, uh. Yeah, like most of the matches, they end up uh, they bum rush the they bum rush the uh, the baby faces. They end up isolating Kalisto in their side of the corner, and they keep tagging it out, tagging it out. There's a whole spot where Kalisto ends up outside the ropes after getting thrown, picked up, and thrown from the floor to, against the um, against one of the ropes. They go for that again, but this time he's locked up in the middle rope, and he ends up uh, he ends up kicking Connor. Victor ends up getting eating the apron. Connor gets in and cuts him off before he can actually tag in. He Victor tags back in, and then he actually is able to uh, tag in. I almost called him Roberto. Uh, tagging uh, El Local for a hot tag. He does some stuff. He almost botches a springboard uh, crossbody, and then he goes to charge. And Victor hits up hitting a uh, clothesline, and then they tag in Connor, and they hit their um, high Ball. high low. Combination finish in the middle for the win. Yeah, like how long were they uh, champions for? It was ridiculous. Ooh, um, I'm trying to remember who takes the belts off of them. I think it was uh, Lucha Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So okay, Lucha Dragons. That means he had to dump Rodrigo and bring in uh, Sin Cara. So that's probably maybe at the most. Maybe that's next takeover. Maybe that's the one after that. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I can, well, I can see why these guys, like, I, like this match, like, it's crazy watching some of this stuff. You're like, oh, these guys could have done a little bit more. Granted, they had a pretty strong start wrestling the New Age Outlaws like a year after they had just beaten the Rhodes Brothers at the Royal Rumble and and Raw on some good matches. So it's not like they they didn't give him anything. But yeah, still. but they killed them off real quick though. Like they were dead. I don't, I forgot when they brought them in, but they were dead by like dead that um Raw twenty five when they brought in like Sid and APA and Lita, and you know 
that was they were they've been dead ever since then. That was they so they've been dead for like four years. And the only time they ever had any other real shine or two other times was when they were basically falling behind the fashion police and then and uh when they were trying to do that that Connor push <laughs> last year. So uh that's that's really about it. I wanna thank whoever stopped that. <laughs> Good Common <Lord>. sense. <laughs> I mean in this company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean look they don't get everything wrong. Like I look, <laughs> like it, it was just that Raw was so weak as a roster because it was revival. It was Rude and Gable, who was a team they made out of nothing, and no one believed in because like they were nothing before they got together, and no, like they were more or less like a more credible version of Ryder and Hawkins. Ouch. More, a lot more talented too, and a lot less like stink on them of being losers for forever. But like you had that, and then the champions at the time were um, were. Or or going into that whole year was uh, uh, Hardy and Wyatt, and then you know they broke that up. The Raw division was just so weak all last year, and then they decided let's keep it weak, even though we have the Usos. Or actually, yeah, let's just make all the tag team wrestling. Weak. That's really what happened. Yeah, yeah, like I'm saying, it's, it's weak now. But let's digress. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe it'll get back better. Like once Kofi, like the New Day. They let New Day actually be in the tag team hunt with with or without Kofi. Whenever they do that, it'll get better. Depending on what happens this Friday, that might be sooner than we would hope. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the the you know they have Cesaro and Ricochet going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the last time Cesaro was going back and forth like that with somebody's when they made the bar. So what if they do that again? He's like, yeah, well, you know, you will forever be a tag team wrestler. <laughs> so, oh man, yeah. So we end up getting a video package of Tyler Breeze. It hypes up his match with Sami Zayn. He says that everybody has a cell phone and everybody has a camera on their cell phone, but not everybody has a camera pointing at him. He says that he's gorgeous, and then they end up showing a backstage segment where a young Alexa Bliss asks, or he asks a young Alexa Bliss if she wants to take a picture. A selfie with him. Uh, she says yes, and she tries to get into the into the frame. But he says, uh, "No, I wanted you to take a picture of me because he's a perfect asshole." <laughs> so, let's never forgot that moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we became the bigger star. You tell me. So, <laughs> so he says uh, he's not just pretty; he's also tough. And he says that Sami Zayn is a failure, and he's a success. And it's time for NXT champion. Uh, it's time for to have an NXT champion that's also, you know, eye up, head cocked to the side, gorgeous. You know, he does that that you know, upward inflection like it's a question mark. I so, immediately when I heard this, I immediately remembered that uh, was it Stardust or was it somebody else who they tried to say was ugly? I'm thinking like at one point Cody Rhodes said Sin Cara was ugly under the mask. But yeah. Some reason, I think somebody else said that about Neville too. Yeah, they've been doing that with Luchadors for decades, saying that like mass wrestlers are ugly. Um, they were, I mean, maybe it was Daniel Bryan because of the goat face thing that they were doing for years with him, even five years ago. Yeah, you never know. More than five years ago, they've been doing that since hell, since like Raw One Thousand. Yeah, yikes! Basically. Yikes! And it made him money, except for that one crazy looking shirt that we ain't gonna talk about. <laughs> wow! I mean, there was also the one when they were doing the um. The yes mode when it was a Brian um, last summer or after SummerSlam when they did that mixed tag between the couples 
and it was Bree, and it was Daniel Bryan, and it had Bree on the picture, or in cartoon, and they had him, who's shorter than his wife, in there with, like, goat features. They, yeah, they... They quick to you know mess around. Also, the team held no shirt. They did last year too. Whoa, oh, that also sucked. Stop. Move on. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> you wonder why Daniel Bryan said, "I'm a turning heel." Uh, <laughs> so, so out comes Sami Zayn with what is now his classic NXT theme music, which I've always said sounds like some shit that's fresh out of Mario Mario Kart 64. Um, we get Tyler Breeze with his new or what is now his known music when he's doing the right said Fred shit. Um, also, he put out a tune in that joint, like in the second verse, which is hilarious. In my, no- <laughs> in my notes, I write because he has new gear, Tyler Breeze. I said, Tyler Breeze looks like he wants to be Dolph Ziggler wanting to be Shawn Michaels. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought about him the first time I heard of him. Like, Tyler Breeze's music starts with the lyrics, look in my eyes, tell me what you see. And, like, what I want to tell back to him is he looks like he looks like he wants to show the world that he, he's not your boy toy. That's what he looks like. Like, all that put together. Like, yeah. Um, so, the match starts with both of them jockeying around and trading, uh, trading holes on the arm. There's a sequence where Sammy does a few arm drags and then grabs a hold of the arm again. Uh, so they go back and forth doing some more simple mat wrestling until Sammy gets to the top turnbuckle and seats and sits on the top turnbuckle. Breeze ends up charging. Uh, Sammy gets the boot up and Tyler catches the boot and basically whips it outside towards the floor. So Sammy goes basically twisting off of the off the uh, top turnbuckle and falls to the floor on a back bump. It looked bad. Sammy ends up beating the count um, at seven. Tyler ends up stomping him against the top turn or the bottom turnbuckle. Um, Breeze ends up uh, giving him a middle bulldog into middle rope. Um, Tyler ends up slapping Sammy in in um, in a front face lock, and it takes him down to the mat. He wears down on him for a little while down there, and then Sammy fights back to his feet. Um, Breeze ends up uh, Breeze ends up back on his feet with Sammy and then Sammy actually like tosses him off to, off of him and then Breeze charges at Sammy and then Sammy low bridges the top rope and Breeze goes flying over over the top to the floor. Sammy ends up uh going out to the apron and he does that crazy uh su- suicide uh Arabian moonsault deal. He gets back in the ring and he hits a top rope uh crossbody for a two count. Sammy has a hits a rear Waist lock and then Breeze fights um, to get free. He tries to hit the ro- tries to hit the ropes and then Sammy hits grabs the tights and then hits him with a blue thunder bomb for a two count. Sammy ducks a dive and then Sammy comes charging and Breeze hits a super kick for a great near fall. Um, actually, I know super kick, this huge elevated DDT and then a near fall. Uh. Then it starts getting wonky. They start trying to go for it. They start trying to go get uh, four and three quarters. So there's a spot mm-hmm. towards the end where Sammy basically gets him in a power bomb position with both arms, like in a pup handle position, while also um, basically he goes up to try to get him like this, like flipping power bomb deal, but. Uh, it looked like a mess. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, like I saw what they were trying to do, and if they landed, it would have been awesome. But they screwed it up. But 
basically it turned it doesn't work out or was countered into a crop or a uh, small package by breeze but sammy powers through by rolling all the way through and then while powering up out of the uh small package breeze has a uh a, a guillotine ch- choke wrapped on him on him what the legs hooked so sammy basically he wraps his hand over uh, Breeze's head, like in a, you know, like in a vertical suplex position. He basically is trying to give him a, like a upward flip and give him a sit out power bomb, but he he's too close and he kind of clips uh he kind of clips Breeze on the way down, but it still lands in place for a two count. The crowd loses shit because like they nearly landed this like incredible move. Um, so they end up going back and forth a little bit more, and then. Uh, Sammy is about to set up for a Haluva kick. He uh he rolls out the way. Then we end up in a situation where he goes where they get in the back in the ring, and he goes for another Haluva kick. And he's clearly has Breeze beaten. Breeze ducks down and puts up his arms to block the shot. And Sammy accidentally low blows himself on Breeze's <laughs> arms, and then the ref checks to see why he's down. So. Breeze gets up, hits the supermodel kick that, uh, cr- you know, spinning heel kick and gets the W. Man. Man. I've seen stupid ways to lose a match. <laughs> but this one right here, in honor of this incredibly goofy finish, I would like to institute, especially in honor of the show and LLP coming to the close, I'm instituting the LeBron James Ebon <laughs> throwback. <laughs> and, and the winner is Sami Zayn. So how the hell you hit your you get your own nuts clipped and then you lose a match because you was going too fast? Look, I've seen people lose in worse ways, but this was truly creative. This was truly a creative way to embarrass somebody, and this is proof that this stuff depends on your audience, right? So in NXT, because Sami Zayn has credibility. He can have a he can be a babyface that slips on a banana pill in this embarrassing way and lose and still eventually you know um, what is it I think two takeovers from now wins the title. Mm-hmm. Whereas Somebody. if this had been on the main roster, I don't think he never recovers from this. He never recovers from this because the so it, it it's definitely a tale of two different audiences and luckily. NXT has the credibility in the in the more supportive fan base to be able to let somebody survive something like this, as opposed to it just be done. Be like, oh, this you may as well just take him out back and shoot him with a shotgun. Basically. <laughs> okay, so after this match, we get. Uh... Is that the segment with uh, Rusev, Lana, yes. and Mojo? Yes. Out comes Lana. She does two twirls around. Not not the usual one, but two. She was really feeling it tonight. Uh, so she introduces uh, and brings out Rusev, and they come down to the ring. Uh, Rick, yes, swinging the swinging the uh, the Russian flag, which is not as violent as he usually swings it, but that's that's more to come. So. Uh, on commentary, Regal says that Rusev will be a success in on the main roster. He says that he's big, he's strong, he's resilient, and he's tough. And the and the one before that is I don't see anything that could possibly go wrong with this man's career. Yeah, 
I mean, look, they were right for a good chunk. Like, you know, and honestly, it took me a while to actually uh, warm up to Rusev because for me, it was like, he's he's OP. He's just too powerful. Like, is he going to be the champion? No. Well, then what are we doing here? Repeating and, you know. To kickstart one of the best United States championship runs of the past 10 years. But do you think that Cena beating Rusev is what got Cena the juice? Or do you think the fact that the top guy in the company was taking a mid-card title because they needed, because they wanted, or they were planning on having Roman Reigns uh, be the top guy, be the main eventer while working on the job, even though he hadn't done it yet? I mean, when you look at who the next two champions, Alberto Del Rio and Kalisto, and what happened to that title, of course the answer is, yeah, because Cena was the top star. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, okay, so I'm not saying that it's one or the other. I'm saying, like, which one do you think is a bigger deal, though? Definitely the top star one. Okay. Because right. they treat him, because John Cena ain't like Roman Reigns. They they treat him with a certain level of respect because John Cena ain't going for that. You seen with all the booking, when the booking getting crazy in this era, John Cena left. Oh, man. <laughs> he was oh, like, oh, what the hell is y'all doing? Oh man! What the hell is going on up there? I you you get me when you get your act together. Yeah, man. Like I feel like I feel like Cena. Like his whole career is just like completely different. Like the second he wins at Royal Rumble 2017, or or you could say once he loses it at uh at Elimination Chamber. Like the second he loses, it, like like that was like his last hurrahs of as a as a you know wrestling force. He saw he saw the writing on the wall. Like really, two weeks. I mean, okay. Like, in retrospect, you almost wonder, like, how much were, like, Brie and John Cena really, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Brie, Nikki and John Cena into, like, that whole angle of, at WrestleMania? We're like, do you think they really actually want to do that, either both of them or either one of them? No, they probably re- proposed to each other, like, six months ahead of this, and Vince McMahon said, wait a minute, I got an idea for WrestleMania now. Yeah, like, we're going to try and get ourselves a Macho Man uh, moment, like, bro. Only, like, only for them two to break up a year later. <laughs> And I remember leaving a comment under whoever, whichever sto- uh, magazine broke the story. I'm like, you telling me I sat through that match at WrestleMania 33 for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, the only thing we got out of that that was worth a damn was like, I mean, the promos and the build were like oh, they were really fighting. good. Really good. But that was the best stuff of uh, Miz's career, man. It's up there. It, it is yeah. really up there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, no one knew. Everyone knew the match wasn't going to be hitting on Dutton, and it wasn't. And then, like, I'll say this: the proposal, he gave a good ass proposal. I'll give him that. But you know, it, you know, in retrospect, it just feels like a gigantic time waste because, you know, unfortunately, like, we, I mean, this man has no has no control over. He can't book love, but you know, <laughs> you know, it, it blew up in their face in in quick quicker than it should have. Anyway, uh. So, Lana says uh, that much like how Russia has expanded his power in reaching to Europe, Rusev has expanded his power into SmackDown and Raw, and he's back in NXT to receive his adulation from the peasants he stomped on his way to get to the main roster. So, uh, he t- she tells the crowd to rise to their feet and pay respect to the great Rusev. Then out comes Mojo Riley with an American flag that doesn't fully unfur- unfurl until, like, the probably like the fifth or sixth uh, wave of the flag. That's so, an omen. That's like, an omen. You know? No, no. Dude. The only thing you've seen him. Yeah, you're probably right. 
Like, you can't even do this right, bro. You didn't think to, like, unfurl the flag first before we're trying to wave this thing. Anyway, so he says that Mojo Raleigh gets on the mic and says that he's hearing a lot of hype about Russia. But right now, we're in the USA. And in the USA, we don't get hype. We stay hype. So he... So... Yeah, before there was cocaine shame, there was cocaine mojo. <laughs> so he says that uh, he thinks it's time for him to come down to that ring and shove that flag right up Rusev's Putin. No, nah, for real. That's the joke. Laugh, y'all. People listen to this, laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm watching an Adam Sandler movie. <sighs> I mean, look. Not one of the good ones. This is what I'll say. John Cena would have tried that line and because John Cena is more charismatic than Mojo and is more over, it may have worked. Same thing for The Rock, other people in the past. But once you give it to somebody that's trying to build like uh, Mojo and NXT or if they, thank God they never gave that to, to Roman. But if they gave it to Roman, <laughs> they've been right next to the suffering succotash. See now, see, now I was just about to mention that and how Roman went to Dean like, bro. <laughs> 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 see like this is a thing like after a certain amount of time i want to say maybe like once roman started like showing his worth like in big matches like so you get like once you get the like the uh for example like that hell in a cell match with bray wyatt the match awesome. at wrestlemania 31 um with 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 brock and some of the aj stuff at a certain point for me it was like look he doesn't have it on the mic, or his charisma doesn't come off in the way that they think it does, clearly. But he has the look. He always tries hard. They book him like shit, just like they book everybody else like shit. So I can't really say, I can't blame that on him. But that dude's talented, and he seems to be getting better every single year that I see him. I'm going to lay off, and I'm just going to complain about his booking, and I'm complaining about how it's a drag to see him get booed all the time, right? And then, sure enough, like, what's 2017? I'm like, look, man, this ain't about Roman. This is about this fucking company. <laughs> this, this, is about, this is about this company, like, not knowing how to book baby faces and everything struggling after that because they don't know how to make people look cool or people you inspire to be or relatable or people that you, uh, people you just want to root for and tune in to watch like they're not good at making compelling personalities right now and roman is a victim is just like everybody else even if he's the top guy anyway they're definitely not good at making people who aren't charismatic be charismatic as in the case of mojo rally here yeah like you would think with some of the guys that just don't translate on tv and i think mojo kind of does translate on tv but the thing is like he's a geek so no one's buying it um but like someone like corbin whatever else just sit them in the back and let them do seated uh, interviews. Why is it that hard? Why do you need? Why do? You, why does you? It's not a mandate that you have to go out to the ring in the center ring and cut a five minute promo. You don't have to do that. These are choices that you're making. And so anyway, oh my god, my notes just jumped all the way to the top. Um, yeah. Right so, go ahead. I'm saying we're right at Rusev beating the piss out of Mojarella. 
Right, right, right. So he gets his ass in the ring, and then Rusev <laughs> he runs down to the ring, uh, Mojo Raleigh, and this in my notes say this fucking geek uh, slides in and catches a Moshka kick. Uh, Rusev uh, punches him in the face, and then rips his shirt off, and then he uh, he throws him out or it throws him out of the ring and then, uh, I'm sorry, throws him into the ring and then splashes him in the corner and then slaps on the accolade. I wish he, and I said in the notes, I wish he never let go. And then Lana tells him to cease. And I've never been so disappointed in my, in someone in my life that I don't know. Uh, Rusev then tosses that geek out of the ring and then Rusev, uh, celebrates and then Lana tells him to crush. So he goes out the ring and follows Mojo up the ramp and then slaps the accolade on that man on the ramp, which, because it's on the ramp or on an announce table, that means it's even more painful. And then pain <laughs> wrestling logic. So, like, once you do something on an elevated position that's not ring canvas, it's more painful. So, yeah. Thank God it wasn't steel steps. That man would have been done for. Done so. He'd have to quit the business. So, <laughs> at, <laughs> so uh, the American flag that that Mojo brought to the ramp is in the background as he's getting choked out. I thought it was a nice touch. Uh, so that's the end of that segment. And then we move on to a video package uh, for Charlotte uh, for the NXT title. Uh, they both put over that uh, they strive to be the best because of their uncle and their dad. Uh, Charlotte's kind of like meekly talking, saying that she didn't know if she could live up to the flair name. And um, if she, but she uh, believes she can now. She, 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 that, she was going to live up to it. Uh, hook my crook. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's good. Look, I'll say this. I think it's a lot better that it's by hook now instead of just crook, right? Um, yeah, she yeah, got like, the talent. Just like they don't, this company doesn't understand the concept of taking their time. It is. I mean, but okay. It this one thing that I'll, that I'll I don't think they should be doing this, but this this is their logic. Me and Rich were talking about this for a while, like maybe even back then when like the horsewoman started having those bangers on takeovers, right? Starting with this match and moving forward that whole year. So I was saying like, okay, so for one reason or another, ageism and sexism are those one reason or another. Uh, the women don't have as long careers. Their top stars don't have as long careers or tenures as the male stars. So we might have Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey for, five years, six years, and then we're done after that. Um, you know, and, you know, Sasha's doing whatever she's doing. She's chilling right now. Who knows what, what her exit strategy is? Strategy, my God. Strategy is or not, but we're like, you know, she's in limbo. Who knows how much longer we're going to have them? I don't know if we're going to have uh, Charlotte, Becky, and Bailey for another 15 or 10 years or five years or whatever, but it'd be nice, but, you know, Vince, Vince, you know, look at how they talk about Mickey James on her whenever she's on TV. Yeah, yeah like she's yeah. like fifty-eight years old instead of thirty-eight. So, and yeah, this ridiculous. First of all, the woman looks great for age. She's still a great damn wrestler. Right. She one of the best. She one of the better talkers out of all the women right. in the division. We, Charisma. We put, yeah. We, we be putting this woman off to the side so we can get more Lacey Evans. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I just saw a report today that she just got injured or had some something wrong with her shoulder, I think. So now she's gone for like another year or whatever. Mickey? Yeah, I think oh, it was man. her. It was like, it's ridiculous. 
I don't know. Thank God, Natalia. I don't know what I don't know what Natalia's been doing, but she ain't. I don't even remember her getting injured, like in her entire career. I mean, one, she's kind of older school. She had to work that circuit, um, and also she doesn't really do much crazy stuff. So she's probably you know able to um, keep herself well protected as opposed to someone like Sasha, who part of her reason why her matches work so well is because she splats and bumps like like a mad woman. Um, or someone like Charlotte who, you know, she does the moonsault when she's that size and has these women that she's so much bigger than trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, spot, or not spot her, uh, basically be like people that catch her. So they didn't run into that issue. And then like people that can catch her, like uh, Naya, Naya <laughs> damn near killed her that one time. <laughs> right? So, I was like, bro, no. Right, and then you have Bailey. Like Bailey would be straight if not for like Nia throwing her right on her fucking down right on her fucking shoulder that one time. So, is there any, is there any of the four women that uh, Nia hasn't messed up? Sasha, that's it. We sure. Like, like remember, okay, so in that same match where she damn near killed uh, Sh- Charlotte by not catching her with that moonsault, right? She also gave her a shoulder breaker by dropping her the, instead of the shoulder on the knee. It was the, her head on the knee. It was Charlotte's head that hit the knee. So there was that. There was a time where uh, where uh, Nia ended up dropping, like I said, uh, Bailey on her uh, shoulder twice in one match and separated her shoulder. Uh, there was also the thing with Becky, where Becky ends up. Yep, the night the go home show for uh, Summer Sl- or Survivor Series this year or last year was she ends up accidentally throwing a work punch and ends up breaking Becky's nose. Why do you accidentally? You know what? Never mind. Let's not even talk about. It. Move on. <laughs> you will be here all day. Former basketball player. How many? How many former collegiate basketball players you know that are that clumsy? I think you said it all with that yeah. comment. So yeah, um, football players, yeah, oh yeah, like Bruce Strength, not much coordination. Nah, you gotta be whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. So we end up getting Charlotte. Uh, she comes down to the ring with uh, with her new music, with the mashup of her original music and also the Ric Flair stuff is now a, her classic theme. Um, then we end up getting um. Natalia down to the ring with with Brett. They're uh, Brett and Rick are both ringside. Oh yeah, so funny part about when when Charlotte and Ric Flair came down, Regal dropped a great line. He says, uh, "I have goosebumps seeing Ric Flair come down here, and also my liver has began to shake." <laughs> oh, that's not that's nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, it is fair, but it, look, what's the, what's the Stephen A. line? I mean, you're not, not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possible. Oh, let's, be nice. let's be nice. Look, in retrospect, it's it's a little bit more grim. Back, but back then it was like, oh yeah, everyone knows that like Rick is a crazy partier. We'll put we'll we'll put quotation marks around partier. Yeah, he still it's is. a euphemism for alcoholism. But he still yeah. is. You seen that comment he made about Shawn Michaels <laughs> from that documentary that dropped like two years ago? No, no, no. What was it? Like uh, Michael said, like I don't think Ric Flair ever learned who Richard Flair is. And then Ric Flair was like, bro, who are you to talk to me like that? Man, you idolize me. I'm still be doing what I do. And I'm and like, and, it, and it's the it's the mark in me thinking, is this this better not be leading to no goddamn match? <laughs> Ric Flair at seven. Okay, I'll put it like this. I want to say that back when she, he was still walk 
you know, going and escorting Charlotte around in 2015 and 16, I said to Rich, how many quality minutes do you think Ric Flair can go right now? Five, I think we both came to the conclusion that he can give us five quality minutes of wrestling time right now, still to this day. But now, mm, I think he could be a manager that took bumps. I wouldn't suggest that he do that anymore, but I think he probably could if they if he can get clearance. And I'll leave it at that. I mean, when you the great, when you one of the greats, you, you can kind of do it. <laughs> you can do whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Oh man, he, like I wonder if he's still lifting again. You know, he's still out. He was probably the reason why he survived uh, the last health scare. He the one back in 2017 is because like he was still in good shape for his age. Um. Anyway, the match starts and they end up. Uh, trading back and forth for like hammer locks and side head locks and wrist locks and uh, head scissors. Uh, Natalia picks a leg and it slaps on a knee crank. They um, go back and forth for more basic wrestling and mat stuff. Uh, they hit the ropes in Charlotte. I'm sorry. They hit the ropes and Natalia ends up going for a wheelbarrow pin attempt. Charlotte kicks and it slaps on a body scissors. Charlotte uh, fights and Fights and turns around into a situation where, like, Natty has full guard while Charlotte is throwing, like, forearm shots uh, from the top to the bottom. Uh, she uh, Charlotte ends up banging Natty's head against the mat, and then Natty ends up sliding her leg over and then turns and transition to an armbar attempt, but Charlotte scurries out of it. Uh, Charlotte slaps Natty, and then Natty slaps her back even harder. Um... Natty ends up going for a schoolboy. Charlotte gets up and lands uh, knee lifts, and then a uh, a tornado uh, knife edge chop that puts Natty's that brings Natty to her knees, and then Ric Flair climbs halfway up the apron and woos at Natty over and over, and then he <laughs> then he starts heading towards Brett and starts wooing because he starts losing his mind, and then they show Brett and Brett has a smirk on his face trying not to laugh, uh, kind of similar to like the face that he made that uh, he made at MJF at uh, Double or Nothing, so. <laughs> Brett smiling is such a such an odd sight to me. Oh <laughs> man, are you, are you really one of those like Brett's Maybe bitter and never has no no joy in his life ever? Are you one of those? No, I ain't saying he had no joy. Hey, I'm gonna say you can have you can be a happy person and just not to be smiling like that. And I think he's one of them one of them part, people. I got my own, you Simon. Okay. <laughs> Uh, hey, I, don't, I don't trust nobody that's got bad things to say about Bret Hart. Anyway, I, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. That's an observation. A bad thing would be saying Shawn Michaels is way better than him or something ridiculous. I mean, if you he, he, look, if you like Shawn more than Bret, or you think that is no contest, cool. But if you out here saying that Bret wasn't great, then that's when I'm like, look. Mm. No, I'm saying no contest is kind of a stretch because like you put their matches up together and like they're neck and neck down there. You look at the best of Brett and the best of Sean, and I'd say it's a pretty good argument. It's I pretty- think that Sean has the benefit of just being younger and able to have more matches in a in a uh, era where there's um, in an era with more good workers. Right. Let 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 Brett have got a hold of Kurt Angle, dude, or Daniel Bryan or somebody. Man, like I I wonder how awesome Brett would be like in this era right now. 
I, I really like. I don't have to work as hard no more. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't be no more Tom McGee's. It would, you know, it would be Drew McIntyre's. You know. Um. So. Yeah, Charlotte ends up getting uh, Natty into a corner, and then she ends up landing some back elbows while she has her pressed up against in sandwiched between the corner and her body. Uh, so Natty ends up uh, jumping on Charlotte's back with a rear choke, and then uh, Charlotte ends up uh, getting her off her with a backpack uh, jawbreaker uh, for a two count. So then, um, so then Charlotte. Uh, Slaps on a figure four headlock. And then Natty ends up getting out of it. Um, <clears throat> oh, Charlotte slaps on a... Um, I'm sorry. Charlotte slaps on an abdominal stretch. Natty reverses out of it and then lifts up that back leg to make it look even more gruesome and painful than normal. Um, Natty ends up letting go and rolls and goes for a backslide, and Charlotte rolls all the way through, gets to her feet, and lands a shotgun drop kick to Natty's face. Um, Natty starts to come back with a butterfly suplex, a clothesline, a snapmare, and she hits the ropes and does her normal stomp to the uh, back that makes people that are seated hit their head on the canvas, and then she comes back and hits the shotgun drop kick, or basement drop kick. Um, she goes for the pin, Charlotte kicks it too. Natty whips Charlotte into the corner. She does this variation of um, of going over the top rope, whether like it's Flair or it's Triple H or it's Sean. She does that flip over deal. Um, Natty charges and shoves Charlotte off the apron to the floor. She goes out after Charlotte and gets uh, gets back to her feet and grabs Charlotte on the apron. Um, she puts Natty. I'm sorry. Uh... Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, she goes, whatever. This is too long. <laughs> let's skip to. Let's skip straight to it. Yeah. So, so basically, um, they get back into the ring, and Charlotte gets advantage, um, and, get, and goes for a pinfall. The ref of this match is actually Charles Robinson, Lynn H, which is hilarious because a couple years later they have that tag match with with. Both Brett and Rick in each corner, and they do a screw job finish. And it's fun. And the whole thought was, well, that's Lenache because you're supposed to remember the WCW shit. But anyway, they didn't do that this time. So he counts a, a legit two count. Natty kicks, and then Rick sticks his, or yells at uh, Lenache, uh, "Hey, are you going to count? Are you going to count right?" Uh, so then Charlotte has her. Close to a corner, so she goes up for a moonsault, but Natty rolls out of the way as she uh, she hits the canvas, uh, Charlotte. Uh, so then Ric Flair, they cut to a shot of Ric Flair, and he looks like Will- Willem Dafoe when he was high off that goblin juice in the first Spider-Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we end up getting a tornado DDT for a near fall but from, uh, from Natty. Uh, Charlotte... Kick, we end up getting a kick out from there, and then she ends up going for a sharpshooter. Uh, Charlotte fights to the ropes, uh, but Natty ends up moving her back to center of the ring. So Charlotte rolls through, and then it counters it into a figure four leg lock. Natty reverses the figure four. Charlotte turns it back over, um, 
and Man. lifts up and then slaps Natty in the face. And Natty reverses the figure four again the other way. That's uh, one of my one pipes with the figure four is when they do all the rolling around. Mm-hmm. You do it one time, cool. I don't, I don't need to see you going for a ride, flipping three, four times. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, so they do it the second time after that, after that first slap from Charlotte to Natty. They roll through uh, and reverse it. I'm going to say putting game, not flipping reverse it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Natty reverses it. Charlotte turns it back over again. This time, Natty slaps the piss out of Charlotte, and Charlotte starts crying. <laughs> uh, so then um, Charlotte ends up slapping her back because she's so hurt, and they end up both rolling, or sorry, Charlotte ends up rolling as they get close to the rope, ends up rolling underneath the rope, and then she basically does like a almost like the Bret Hart post figure four, except off of the apron, and Natty is basically hanging on from the bottom rope. So they end up, um, they both end up on the floor after that. After Nate, little H ends up uh, breaking up the hole because it's the rope break. So so basically, after that. Um, Natty ends up get they both get back in the ring. Charlotte is goes to slap on the figure four again, but she looks over at Brett and decides against him and slaps on the uh, sharpshooter instead. Sh- this time, Natty ends up reversing, rolling through, and she goes to actually um, reverse it and put it on. But Charlotte boots her off in the face and she goes to her knees, and then Charlotte jumps up and then hits the natural selection for the win. So she is now the second ever or NXT women's champion. Yeah, uh, it's funny we were talking about that uh, figure four sequence earlier because she wouldn't debut the figure eight until like October of mm. that year, 2014. But I'm thinking in this match it would have been a great uh, way of great way of debuting it and beating her. Like right when they do that, like second turn, she just she just puts her hands up, does the figure eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were really trying to get over the natural selection as a finish, but like it just does—you just can't buy it because it's so low to the ground, you know. Right. And yeah. It's not, and it's not like it's uh, Seth Rollins' move where he's like literally putting the full weight of his foot on the back of your head. It's just mm-hmm. right. It's literally the the equivalent of Natalia doing that little step to make you hit your head on the ground. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah, I, I think the thing is like with the women's division at the time. In NXT anyway, when they came up with with Becky with the disarmor, with Charlotte with the bank statement, with Charlotte with the figure eight, like at that time WWE wasn't really into making people tap out that much, so they kind of had to change that. So like you watch some of these matches and you're like Oscar Lock too as well as like people tap out left and right in the women's division. People don't think of it don't think of it any different than like if they get pinned. But if you but when people get tapped down when men all of a sudden it's like a big deal. Like you tapped out, you tapped out. It's like, well, it's finish. That's his finish. It is what it is. Oh, tap I kind of agree to like tap out's whole like a different weight than just beating somebody. I mean, do they now when like we watch UFC and submissions, you immediately tap out or you lose that or not lose that limb, but your limb is damaged? I mean, to some degree, I would say no, but wrestling is wrestling like for me for for me one of the reasons why like i hate rest holds is because normally it's like it's a head it's a sleeper hold and i'm like no man no 
that that's bullshit. Like that person would be dead. Like <laughs> so, like for me, like I that's one of the reason why I hate wrestle is like no, that's there's a way to do that kind of stuff and have it be a working hole, not just sit there and let people wait for the crowd to rumble to get a person off his ass to go work again. Like so, that's kind of the reason why like I, I hate that. For example, wrestle holes. For example, um, you talking to the right person about hating wrestle holes. <laughs> Same, it's always the same one. Like, hey, I'm, I'm. It's getting to the point where I'm wondering. I'm hoping Great Khali teaches people how to do the, the, the nerve pincher. <laughs> oh my god, the nerve hold. Jesus Christ, hey, his hands were massive. That, I believe it. <laughs> that is amongst the laziest shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just is. Like, I'm not even going like put you in you know a wrist lock or a hammer lock or a side head lock or a bully choke. I am going to literally not bend at the waist, not the knee, bend at the waist and ugh, just uh <laughs> rounding your shoulders. Man. So so trash. That was you, <laughs> see, that's trash. You, you should you missed the days of what was this what was his other move called? Don't we tell me the claw. Do not say the claw. But we put both his big ass hands on your head we're just like <laughs> squeezing. Okay. Now, I never saw none of that because I wasn't watching Great Khali, but if he was doing that, that's the height of laziness, too. I, was, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, you're talking about the most, talking about a guy whose most, most athletic move was a big boot. <laughs> uh, I would say his most athletic move would be getting his feet up to get over the top rope to get in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Same level of uh, effort, really. <laughs> uh, got a point. Got a point. All right, so, yeah. Yeah, so after the match, uh, Ric Flair loses his mind. He takes off the jacket because he will not be com- confined by clothes then, now, or, for, or in the future ever. He might be buried and ass naked for all we know. Oh, so <laughs> so they all get in the ring. They all exchange uh, hugs and congratulations to each other, Rick and Charlotte and Natalia and, and Brett. Uh, they all, you know, give each other pleasant greetings. And then uh, Natty ends up raising her arm. And uh, say you're the winner, you're the better woman. Uh, so then, like you know, you know how it is. There's two flares in the ring after after an emotional match. So you already know who it is. Tears galore, tears, tears, tears. Crying, crying like there's no tomorrow. Yes. Uh, yeah. So then we end up getting the match ends up starting. The next match is uh, the main event: Neville versus uh, Tyson Kidd. My God. Um. They both come out, no real thrills to their uh, interests or whatever else. So, match starts with uh, an amazing opening sequence, man. Like, you want to tell me what it is? Because I'm looking through and I don't really. Oh, because I, I, I just wrote it as. Go ahead. I can't give you the details. I'm probably going to okay. refer to you at that point. I just remember watching it going, damn. Okay. Tyson be cold. Yeah. Well, I, this is what I wrote in my notes. Like this match started out like a '90s juniors in uh, a '90s juniors match or a '90s WCW Cruiserweight match where they they trade uh, holds and go back and forth, getting in and out of uh, getting out of holds with you know short bursts of action and athleticism, um, arm drop kicks and arm drags. Uh, there's a quick reversal they exchanges. I'm sorry. Uh, they basically keep reversing each other until they're evenly matched. Until Tyson sucker punches Neville. Um, after previously like being easy in the match, um, like respecting the rope break and all that kind of stuff. So 
um, so after after sucker punching Neville, he, uh, Tyson gets the heat by putting Neville in a tree of woe, and then lifting him up and then kick him in the back over and over and over, and then he runs the opposite corner, comes back with a uh, basement drop kick. Um, Tyson takes Neville down to the mat with a bully choke, and then Neville gets to his feet and gets separation uh, with some gut punches. He go he goes to. He goes and tries to charge at Tyson, but Tyson gives him a flapjack, and Neville ends up necking the top rope and rolls out to the floor, and Tyson ends up hitting um, a... He goes through the ropes, and after he gets through the ropes, he ends up hitting like a a front-rolling dive onto Neville. I thought it was kind of cool. So, more or less, the whole fight, the whole match is there... One person hits a big move, the next person gets advantage, they go to the top rope and they try to hit a big move on the top rope and then one, either there's a reversal or a kick out yeah. all kinds of awesomeness there was this crazy spot where uh, uh, Tyson Kidd was going for a sunset flip and of course Neville's athletic ass right. lands on his feet and yes. Tyson charges at him, he picks him up and hits a pop-up powerbomb yes, like, a sit-out pop, pop-up powerbomb yes, exactly. it was, yes. in my various notes my copious notes that is way too damn long uh, I wrote that after he flips off of the uh, he flips off the middle rope after the sunset flip attempt, and it was just like you know, Abushi <laughs> and Johnny Gargano watching, uh, watch trying to get the best of Ricochet and Ricochet lands on his feet. It's the same. It's it's the same variation of like I thought I was just going to bury this dude, and this dude landed on his feet. What the fuck? Another, those are spots that will never go out of style. More or less, I agree with you. So Tyson. It, Basically, it, all of it comes down to Tyson goes to uh, has the advantage. He climbs up, um, and then Neville comes up and tries to give him a superplex. Tyson pushes him down uh, one time. Same thing happens again. Pushes him down for a second time. Third time, Neville gets up and hits a top rope Frankensteiner that sends uh, Tyson falling, crashing, and rolling to the opposite corner. Neville runs more or less jogs to the next opposite corner and then hits a red arrow for the win. And this was amazing. This is like a solid four stars. This is you look at Tyson Kidd, and all I can think is, man, this dude would have killed in two or five live today. But let him be in the cruiserweight classic two or five live, he would have been killing. Yeah. Um trying to think. When did he end up getting hurt? Was that 2015? Late 2015? It was a dark match with Samoa Joe. He right. It was Muscle Buster. Man, such such a disappointment. Yeah, I'm gonna- yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, after the match, Neville goes to shake hands with with Tyson. Tyson declines and actually uh, shoulder bumps, shoulder brushes uh, Neville on the way out the ring, and we fade to black. So, overall thoughts on the first ever Takeover show? Um. It was a good show. There were definitely some things I didn't like, like that enti- that first match with Adam Rose and Camacho was like that was that was just bad in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. the best of Camacho just doing his little power stuff. Like earlier he did, like in one match he did the double underhook suplex, which I'm like those suplex variations I'm kind of a mark for because mm-hmm. all we it is standard in German. So like that was cool. I was really surprised like how good the Ascension were. Even Rock, even uh, El Loco, aka Roberto Ricardo Rodriguez, 
Uh, he was – that dude is a lot more athletic than I remember. Because <laughs> like, I only saw – because I've seen him wrestle, but, like, like it's just him doing supla- – him doing uh, moonsaults and stuff. is just an odd sight. Uh, Charlotte versus Natalia, this is one of their weaker matches because uh, they're they going to have a bit better ones, especially when we get to the main roster mm-hmm. when Natalia is the uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. But it was still a good match overall. And but but Neville versus Tyson Kidd stole the show. It was a great main event. I can I can I can honestly put this up there with some of the matches I've seen from the bits and pieces of some of the best of the Super Juniors. Not quite at that level, but it's 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 a good match. Let me put it that way. I okay. I would say that's like a that's a match that's around four flat. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like that would that would be one of the better matches of the best Super Juniors. But it, but it I, like the top stuff, like that ain't touching though. Like I, awesome. I watched night, I've only seen night one so far. Like that's not touching Shingo versus uh your boy uh yo. Like nah, that's <laughs> shit was crazy. Like it beating the piss out of each other. Uh, but but yeah, like it's definitely one of those matches, and it's built to be one of those matches. Like they started out with the foundation of it to me. And it's one of my favorite things. Like it looked like they were starting out like we were building this thing up as if it's a. 90s cruiserweight match or juniors match whatever you whatever you want to call it super you know super best super juniors whatever so um i thought it was cool i thought that the women's match in retrospect when i will not remember how it blew me away at the time when i watched it live compared to now it's surprising because the match doesn't hold up and that's kind of the the same thought that i had um at the arrival show between uh, Emma and Paige, like for that time, those matches were big ass deals as far as being like these are some of the best women matches in the women's hist- in WWE women's history. Now they're kind of they're good. Like that's kind of the that's kind of where the level has has gotten to in the women's division in five years or whatever as far as in the in the ring. Um, Something like that. Me thinking, like in five in ten years, are we going to be looking back at Okada and Omega? Like, I mean, yeah, that was good. But this, like, I mean, because <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Melter said about the Ric Flair Steamboat trilogy, and I've looked, went back and got, seen those matches. Those those still hold up. But those things hold up. Like they beat the piss out of each other, and they're doing some like I mean the pacing. I think I think the thing that that makes those hold up so well is the pacing. Like their 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 athleticism is on point compared to even now. Um, but like yeah, there's less flashier moves, but like. The just the energy between those two and the chemistry they had, like they, like they're wrestling in their sleep, like that definitely holds up to this day. Um, now I think that I, I think that in the future, when we watch um, Okada and Omega stuff, we'll probably be like, yeah, these matches should have been like all of them should have chopped off like the first 30 of these matches because they all start out and they're cool and then all of a sudden like it's that it's that final like 10 15 minute stretch is what is where the money is for these matches so and you can say the same thing for like the last two gargano cole matches where it's like or especially the the last match because it's a single falls match the first one is like you know they're they're world building whatever you want to call it um their storytelling are beginning to build up towards that climactic finish. But, you know, I, I think personally, there's no reason why your match needs to go over 25 minutes. I don't give a damn who it is. Like, unless it's like a multi-person match, there's no, there, 
if it, I feel like thirty minutes around that time is like the good stop off point for anything. Like your t- your your match should not be should really unless the main event should not be going past um like the length of a TV show without commercials. That's kind of that's kind of my belief. Yeah, um, where somebody told Marty Scroll that last year. Oh wow, <laughs> the main event of a uh, Supercard. Yeah, uh, not oh, boy. Card, uh, all in. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about. It was a good match, but like everybody was pissed. Like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, he, I mean he was trying to get his five star match with Okada. I mean, I think it was like four and a half. But yeah, I get you. Um, what else? I'm trying to think, what else? Um, yeah, I, I thought this was a good card. I, I really, I do think that the uh, Sami Zayn match. Would have been a better match if that spot they were trying to land, those two spots they were trying to land back to back, like panned on the way they were, but like they were being overly ambitious. You know, like it, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's cool to try to do this acrobatic stuff, but like you, y'all are probably practicing, y'all ain't tired, as opposed to like y'all in the match, y'all got us adrenaline, y'all are gassed because of the crowd giving y'all so much energy, and y'all wiped out, y'all are tired, y'all been wrestling hard, and then, like, while y'all are tired, let's do this thing where it's, like, a, a, a 9.5 out of 10 on difficulty scales. Like, that's a little too ambitious. I appreciate it, but, like, you know, All it's right. only cool if you finish it off. All right, gotcha. Yeah, but, yeah, I think it, I think it was a good show top to bottom, especially for that time. Like, that's probably, like, Probably at that time, like that's probably better than the the pay per views at that point. I don't know. This is 2014. This is when the Shield fighting Evolution. I I'd hold off on that. What else is on those cards? I think Cesaro and like uh, no 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 because the very first pay per view after that is Kane versus Daniel Bryan and that horror show shit. Oh, oh man, I wanted to get, I wanted to give him credit. Well, I tried. Look. One match. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that um, their top matches at that point in time. The best match that you were going to get on a WWE pay per view, more times than not, were with the top guys: a Daniel Bryan, uh, John Cena, and a big match. Brock Lesnar. They were going to be better than what NXT had to offer. Um, now, as far as the quality of the overall show. Even from the beginning, now this very first takeover, it was going to be takeover, and I think I think Rich talked about this. The only time takeover did not have a better show than the corresponding main roster show was uh, the 2018 Royal Rumble, and it wasn't because of the match quality as much as it was. It felt like they got all their shit together. Oscar wins a rumble. Shinsuke wins a rumble. We're going to uh, Shinsuke versus. Uh, AJ Styles and in this what we thought was going to be a something that looked like their Wrestle Kingdom match. We thought with Oscar that we were, we were going to get Oscar versus Charlotte and it's going to be a kick-ass match. That was a kick-ass match. Um, Wrong result. They had that great, you know, they had a great women's rumble. They had a great men's rumble. Um, I'm trying to think what else on the card. Uh, the uh, what, what was, championship match was going on at the time. I can't even remember. Who's um, the AJ Styles was the champion, so he was wrestling some. Oh, AJ had that handicap match with uh with with um the the Quebecers. Yeah, <laughs> it was surprisingly um, good. I just didn't like the fact that it opened the show. Yeah, and then I mean, then the universal title was Brock in the three way with Kane and uh, Braun Strowman. Uh, but I'm trying to think. The women's match at the time was oh my god, I can't remember. But 
it didn't really matter because the rumbles were, took the precedent on and the pre and both they had two chaos rumbles back to back in the time when like we had had a good rumble in what 2014 you tell me 20 people 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 underrate the 2014 one just because Daniel Bryan didn't win but I think you've said it the same too like if you look back at the overall match it's still a pretty good rumble yeah, like most of these rumbles are all roughly the same, except for like fifteen, because fifteen is just like so uninspired and lazy as a storytelling device, but uh, a storytelling mechanism. But other than that, like there, a, a rumble is a rumble is a rumble, and you can do them well. You can, but you can, you can like the bottom of them are like eh, but if you do them very well and focus on a few things, you know, throughout the whole show where there's always something going on that matters and, and then you pay it off with the right person winning. That's all that matters. Basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to do the week after this is NXT. That is June 5th, 2014. Fun, guys, I'm I mean, back. We're glad uh, you're back. But you kind of interrupted. Interrupted? That I clearly had. I mean, guys, I thought you would be so excited. I mean, you've seen me on TV. I've been on Total Divas every week. I've been in Hollywood on a movie set. Guys, you're welcome. I mean, I've been pretty much putting the BFFs on the map. And oh my gosh, the infamous sign. Such a good picture, too. You don't need this anymore, because I'm back. <laughs> That's what she thinks. Uh, that is episode 225. Simon, you want to take this one over? Yep. So we start off with the obvious repack, uh, recap, I should say, of the NXT TakeOver and showing all the big victories and some of the reactions people had. Like you saw Charlotte and Natalia hugging, but you saw Tyson Kidd just being upset that he lost. So the show opens up. Brandy Rose once again announces Tyler Breeze has entered the building. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> they, should, they should do that with Brock and see what happens. I'll get booze. <laughs> yeah, it's, they, they love that heat. Oh God! And so the first match up is Mojo Rowley, who in a quick video recap is talking about, yeah, last week I got beat, but this week I'm here to win or whatever. And I don't just stay hype. I don't. I just. I just. Whatever that. I don't just get hype. I stay hyped. Right. And then out comes Aiden English, and I'm immediately expecting what's his name. Uh, Simon Gotts to be by his side with number remember, ah, that's not that's not the right timeline yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's soon, though. It's sometime in the next year. I got you still with the uh, Rosebuds right now. Yes, and Becky Lynch and fuck on right. night, Tucker Knight and uh, Carmella and Elias. Like, a, a true, a, just a true, just um, fantasia of former WWE or future WWE stardom. Out of the but yeah, so uh, the match is pretty much what you would expect from Mojo Rowley. He's doing a bunch of clotheslines, a bunch of splashes. Um, I and I don't really remember anything Aiden English did in this match. Okay, I, I, so I've been watching these take. I've been watching these NXT shows, and typically speaking, it's the match starts. We get two splashes in the corner, two stinger splashes in the corner. A hip attack and then a running jumping ass drop. So as he hits the two splashes, Aiden English ends up cutting him off and then starts to work him over. And then eventually he has to figure out a new way to get to the running uh, jumping ass drop. And he does because he's not just a squash guy. 
He Man. is. He is Mojo Raleigh. The Man. ascend. The ascender to the throne. <laughs> and one of, one of my notes I had written down here is: so You mean to tell me in 2014 they couldn't realize he didn't have much of an upside? Uh, your finishing move is your finishing move is the great ass splash. I don't think we need you on the roster. Yeah, and he's not fat either. Like I think I think you have to have a big ass to have a to have a decent like ass ass based offense, right? Like if could you, you imagine have, if, uh, Naomi? All she did was what's that thing called? The rear end. Yeah, could you imagine if that was all she was able to do, Bruh. Get rid- I'm sorry. Go. <laughs> if if that was all she could do, then she wouldn't still be in the company because you know why she would still be in the company. They'd be like, "Oh, that's all you have to bring to the table." Oh, but she's a she's a very good wrestler that never really gets the opportunity in like in spots and tags. She could be a great tag team wrestler. Um, I think that she doesn't. I, whatever we're talking about Naomi. But like, long story short, I don't think she has the physicality to make you like suspend disbelief the way that uh, the rest of her stuff looks like as far as her uh, flying stuff does. But she's a great flyer. We can mm-hmm. move on from there. Yep. So it ends with him with like I said, the great ass splash. We get <laughs> victory, <laughs> and then we cut to a backstage interview with Natalia We're talking about how a lot of people won. At that last takeover, but herself and her husband is he is he her husband at this point? Uh yes, because yes, yes, yes. Uh before she came out for the match at Takeover, he handed her his wedding ring to hold on to that so he can go wrestle. Even though I would have used it as a weapon, but whatever. Yeah. Right. Well so so he so the interviewer asked her and it's an interview I don't recognize, so you know it's an old show. Oh yeah. So she asked her she asked Natalia well, you and your husband lost. How, what do you? How you? How do you re- respond to the way a kid came uh, responded to his loss? Some some along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, well, everybody just responds to losses differently, and and et cetera, et cetera. Moves right moves right along to the second match of the night, which is Bailey with some of the worst theme music I ever heard. Like this, the theme at this time is like it's, it's noise. I can't describe it as music. It's just it's just sounds that are making my ears bleed. Versus Charlotte Flair was accompanied by Sasha Banks. This is a pretty good match. Uh, it's what you would expect from these two. We ain't getting to they they ain't getting to their great status yet, of course. But it's a solid women's match. Eventually, Summer Rae comes down, uh, and of course, if you all remember, these these three were a member of the beautiful, fierce females group. Yes, the BFFs. Yep. So she comes out, she she talks to Sasha for a little bit, which is crazy because you would swear that she was trying to interrupt uh, Charlotte and cause a distraction for Bailey, but that's not how it plays out. Charlotte gets the win with the natural selection. Eventually, Summer Rae gets into the ring with Charlotte and Sasha, starts beating on Bailey. Charlotte and, Sa- and Sasha give each other a look and they just decide to just join in. Out comes Paige, who's the current Divas champion, and Emma to make the save. Um, like, like I said, one of the funniest things about watching these shows is just looking at how everything's set up. Like, who's gonna be, who's here now that's not gonna be here in the in the present? Yes. Like, he's like ridiculous. Like, uh, and uh, I'm guessing this is gonna lead to some match in the next week. I'm guessing. But yeah, we're we're definitely gonna get a, a trios match. Definitely. Yep. 
So then we get a backstage segment with of all the teams to be put together, Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan. J- keep in mind, this is Afro Jason Jordan. Yes, this is this when he's out here looking like uh, your boy Josh Freeman for the uh, they used to be the Bucks quarterback. Yes, yes. This is this is his second appearance. This is their second appearance as a tag team on NXT uh, during this run. That was Jet J- Jason Jordan to Carlito. I was like, huh? Oh man, <laughs> man. <laughs> Man, like, I got to talk to you off the air about what you think of his gimmick one of these days. Jason Jordan's or Carlito's? Carlito. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have much to speak on Carlito, but I mean, since we talk about like things we probably should or should not say on the air, I think I said this before. Like, Jason Jordan with that hair looked like somebody that has been told over and over and over and over and over and over and over again by white people that they 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 don't think of as black. So there you go. It's funny we we're talking about this when the certain uh, certain superstar is on uh, or certain employee is on is on commentary. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Moving right along, please. Uh, sprint, sprint along. Get out. <laughs> uh, next match is uh, Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger versus some local indie guys. My immediate thought is this is an incredibly long squash match because that's all that's happening. Yes. Just like Jason Jordan and Dillinger getting the moves in. And at one point, Jason uh, Jordan does a back body drop. And I don't know if the indie guy did it wrong or not, but it looked like he was about to land right on his head. And he and he flattened himself out just in time. What it, it, it was it was. It was literally a millisecond from being horrific. Mm. Like when AJ Styles did the Styles class on Jane Ellsworth. On Jane and, Ellsworth yeah. and then and Styles noticed in time, so he put his hands down to cushion the blow. Literally a split second from tragedy. And then J- Jason Jordan and D- Dillinger get the win. Meanwhile, emerging from the crowd is the hippie himself, Juice Robinson, <laughs> with a sign saying, May the forest be with you. Yeah. All types of corny. Then we get another backstage segments with uh, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, and Summer Rae. Summer Rae's talking about how she's she's here, she's back. She holds up some sign of her face, which I'm which I, I don't watch NXT on regular. Oh, so she, was ab- she was an absentee uh, member, so what they would do, Charlotte and Sasha, is they would come out as the BFFs with just them, and they bring out a, a stick figure of her head. And walk her down to the ring, and I and sh- you know Summer didn't appreciate that shit. You know it would be so much that Sasha and Charlotte's feud on the main roster would have been so much more interesting if they had incorporated past stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. instead of like, I mean, you ain't got to talk about all of it, but give it a mention of here. Like, we were teammates. We did all before there was the horsewomen. There was yeah, like little little small stuff like that, little extra details. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they rarely ever actually dig into the NXT stuff besides the surface level of, oh, yeah, they wrestled before in NXT, right? Like, they didn't even do that much with the NXT stuff between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Which is crazy considering how great those matches are and how it basically is their entire story. Yeah. Moving right along, Tyler Breeze comes out to debut his new music video. And he talks about how he become became the new number one contender for the NXT Championship, and he calls Neville 
And here, here's what I, mean, I think this is where I was talking about the ugly stuff before. Mm-hmm. He called the devil the man Maybelline forgot. <laughs> My immediate thought is, unless you like a talk show host, who who who's going on going around just putting on makeup every day? Yeah. Then he also said it like, isn't isn't this the first ever like Joe Rogan joke comparison to here at that point in time? I think so. Yeah, because uh, I think the only person to ever bring it up since then was like Miz. And I was like, great, you're just going to bury this dude while he still is young and has a chance to. He's still in his window. Well, window's passed. Yep. So he uh, he debuts the uh, the music video. It's basically just his theme song from the takeover that's yes. become the song he's associated with today. Gorgeous. Et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm pretty. You're ugly. Yes. Uh, with song to the tune of whatever the auto tune was set at. Yeah, uh, full gimmick. I'm just sitting here thinking, man, these people is paid tickets to watch something they could have clicked on YouTube for. Because <laughs> hey. this ain't no killer state segment. This is just, I'm talking. I mean, for all we know, they didn't even show that back. They didn't even show that NXT. Like they just, they just played that and then like edited that in. Or they just, I mean, they just aired it on the show and then, like, you didn't even see that during the taping. That would have been brilliant. Yeah, because that's how most of the, you know, the in-between stuff they do, like, the setup. oh, yeah, this is what we're doing next week. Like, they didn't see that. Like, remember, they got to do these shows back-to-back-to-back-to-back, like, on the taping. <laughs> so we get to the final match of the night, which is crazy, considering the fact that last week Neville had an NXT championship match, and on this very same show, he's having another NXT championship match. Fight champion. Yep. Before they made it into a gimmick to make baby faces get over when they have no charisma or no other storyline for them. I, I'm looking at you, Brock. Look, I'm looking at you, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah, Neville defends the title. No comment for, I have no comment for your comments. Because <laughs> you know it's true. Uh, yeah, Neville versus uh, Justin Gabriel. Once again, it's just something straight out of the cruiserweight division. It's fast-paced, high-flying action. They're both going, both going nuts. And I'm forgetting a few things from the match for the most part, but it's like some, so many of these matches with like the same type of wrestler, like with Tyson, because Tyson and Justin, yeah, like, like they were close. Only I would argue Tyson is a bit more technical, yeah, and Justin does a bit more high flying, yeah. Like from what I can see, like Neville, from what I remember, like Neville ends up hitting a cannonball off the apron um, for a two count. Um, we got a we got a phenomenal forearm, which is funny. Um, Northern Light Suplex. For, uh, Gable goes for his four fifty splash, but Neville uh, hits him with a kick instead. Um, yeah, and, you know. And then the and then after that, you get the the red arrow for the win. Um, I thought I thought it was a good match, but you know, it it, it doesn't hold a candle to yeah the the takeover match. WWE's precursor for the Cruiserweight Classic, basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like, oh, yeah, overall, a good takeover and good episode of NXT. Right. Yeah, man. You can see where the quality just starts to build and continue to grow from there. Yeah, man. So thanks for doing the show. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, for those listening, um, I'm just going to do the re- NXT from this week without Simon because Simon has shit to do besides talk about wrestling all day. So uh thank you again, Simon. Um do you want to get your plugs in? Of course. So you can catch me on Sports Keter. I'm a 
as we mentioned earlier, senior analysts, I occasionally write some opinion pieces. Um, yeah, just type in sports kid. My name, Simon Cotton. You'll see my articles. The last one I wrote was about Monday Night Raw's ratings and how, unfortunately, the ratings increased because of Brock Lesnar's return and the whole fake cash in that never happened. So, <laughs> yeah. You can also find me on Twitter at SGC Speaks. And uh, yeah, as far as this Friday goes, I'm debating whether I should even watch it because I've looked at the card. The only thing that remotely interests me is Goldberg and Undertaker, but not because I'm expecting anything good. I'm kind of expecting it to be like middle of the road meandering because Goldberg had to, Goldberg has to do quick, fast matches because that's all he really did last time he was here. The Undertaker's good fast matches didn't even do anything when you think about WrestleMania 34. So I'm thinking if I even watch that, it would probably be like catching somebody's clip on YouTube. I'm not in the interest of watching that stuff live. Okay, so for me, I'll I'll check it out eventually. Probably, um, I probably won't watch the whole thing. I'm not sitting around for no 50 pin Royal Rumble. That's or Battle Royal, whatever the hell that is. No, thank you. Um, but Andrade fan, I'll check out. I'll I'll check out Goldberg Undertaker just because they're two of my favorite wrestlers ever, um, even though they're old and decrepit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't remember what else on there. Uh, the Strowman match, no, thank you. Um, the Roman match, no, thank you. Like, can, can, remember how we were just talking earlier in the show about how Roman like is not his fault. Getting booked like this, it's absolutely not his fault. And what the fuck are they doing? And what the fuck are they thinking? And and what? So, yeah. I said like on Monday Night Raw, Roman better better get be, be thinking about his long term career. He should have been like, "Hey, this is the last time I ever fight one of y'all." I'm talking about Vince. I'm talking about Triple H. I want to have a conversation with Steph, and I dang sure ain't about to wrestle Shane McMahon ever again. Look, I don't want to tag with you. I don't want to see you at a party. I don't want to. I don't want to call you on the phone. I don't want to get no voicemails, no emails, no constant contact. None of that. Right, I I hundred percent agree, and like I at this point, I'm just like, when is Roman just gonna like say I'm done with this shit and, and just head to Hollywood and and start getting roles because yeah. what's the point of taking what what's the point of taking bumps if you gonna do this shit for for who for what? Could you imagine if they lost him out and they he pulled a Hogan on them? He's like, man, I'm going to go do movies, and then we. Oh see my him. god, <laughs> I'm going to AEW. <laughs> That'd be the side. That'd be a kiss to death for WWE at that point. Look, I might <laughs> look. I might not even do the review part of this show now because of how awesome that was. I don't think I can. I don't in the next, you know, twenty uh, twenty five minutes where I do the re- the review for take or for sorry for uh, NXT, which would probably be five hundred and eleven or five hundred ten. I won't be able to top. Roman Reigns, kayfabe, and uh, Vince, and going to AEW. I can't top that, but we'll, I'll, I'll try to make it work. But but in, just in case, I'm leaving that here. But the thanks, Simon. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Catch you all later. Later. <laughs> hey, Eo, what was that that you just did? I'm not done with Shayna. Shayna, tell us now. I'm back, y'all. Y'all are actually going to get a coverage of this week's NXT, believe it or not. I couldn't, I'm not going to be able to top what we did with Roman Reigns for AEW with Simon, but here you go anyway. Uh, NXT 510. 
I'm just going to give you guys the rundown of what happened pr- between the matches, but uh, for the most part, they showed Io Shirai at one point. She says that she's not done with Shane after beating the hell out of her. Um, you also have uh, the Street Profits backstage after winning the tag team titles in their first ever uh, appearance on the main card for a takeover. They celebrate. There's a bunch of cameras around. They're very happy. They also uh, pull out, um, they actually bring out the guy that's I guess has been covering them when they do all their funny ass, hilarious, charismatic promos, when they do all that crazy stuff walking around the full cell campus and they bring him onto the camera and he's wearing an original bro, Matt Riddle shirt. And then they basically say, what are you doing wearing that shirt, man? We got to go get you a street profit shirt. So then they walk off and in the backdrop, you kind of see Bianca. So that, that was cool. Um, and throughout the show, they show recaps of the matches and the story and the kind of the layouts and everything else. And they also hype on the show that there's going to be Kushida versus Drew Gulak. And Gulak talked about his match on last week's uh, takeover, saying that he thought that he was he was upset that he was going to get um, that he got pinned by Kushida because he's a submission specialist. And and he's said that there was all this talk about him being one of the best submission specialists in the world. Um, Kushida, but he's the best submission specialist in WWE, Gulak, so he was upset he got pinned, so he wants a submission match next week on NXT, it's been granted, so next week's NXT, that'll be a match, and also another match uh, we'll get, because we heard that, or we were told that Bobby Fish was injured during the ladder match from TakeOver, so you're going back to last year's Undisputed Era tag team of Strong and O'Reilly, and they'll be facing in a rematch from TakeOver Chicago 2, Lorcan and Birch, so that I'm sure that'll be a great match. So we're just gonna start off with the first match on the show. It was Keith Lee versus Connor Reeves. Connor Reeves has kind of fully morphed out of the Hawaiian Ric Flair gimmick, and he's kind of just dressed in all types of everything. He's trying things out or whatever else. Um, I saw him in an Evolve show a few weeks, maybe a couple months ago. Um, you know, he's he's out there trying, but he's just not, you know, he hasn't landed on something yet as far as whatever he's trying to do. He just has the means for finest. Anyway, he goes out there and he's in there Keith Lee. The whole match more or less is that Keith Lee is a monster and you have a taller but not bigger Connor Reeves trying to um, come up with different ways to try to put uh, put him or take him off his feet. Um, there's really more or less uh, no dice. It's more or less monster selling. And then eventually, at the, after the end of all of this stuff, all this different uh, nifty stuff like um, uh, cutting cut him off the ropes, necking him on the ropes, uh, all types of different things. Nothing works out. And then eventually, he pisses off Keith Lee, and then the monster comes out and just beats the holy hell out of him. Uh, there's a, at the end of it, there is a, there's a spot where... He hits him with multiple big moves, and then he finishes him off with um, with his finish. Uh, the the AA looking variation. Uh, Keith Lee wins. Hopefully, that means he's on to bigger, uh, better things. Mo- maybe put into the card or onto the you know the the takeover type of uh, spotlight next. And you know, there's always Dijakovic. You can always do Keith Lee versus Dijakovic. I've been waiting for that match for months. Hopefully, they'll get it, and hopefully, it'll be. And possibly take over Toronto too. That'd be awesome. Uh, the next match, the main event of this show was Miriam versus Bianca Belair. This was a rubber match between their two previous battles. The first match, Bianca won by using her hair for leverage in the middle rope. The second one, Bianca used. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, the second one, Mia used Bianca's hair against her uh, to 
by uh, using extra leverage to have a more devastating finish attack with the uh, knee breaker finish that she has. So I think it's called Protect Your Neck. So this ma- this match is the best version of uh, of their matches so far. I thought that the second one wasn't as good as the first one. I think that this third one's better than the first one. Um, most of the match is Bianca getting advantage and uh, injuring Mia's ribs and they're working over ribs and different points and every single time it's all about Bianca trying to injure her ribs more and more and more while Mia is trying to find reversals and counters to get out of it. The finish of the match is a callback to their last match, their second match from just last week where Bianca goes to give her a power bomb, but this time Bianca wraps up her hair so that Mia has nothing to grab and then use to put her away with um, for that finish. So this time Mia comes up and can't grab the hair, so she's able to use some fast thinking and she's able to get a get a guillotine choke, and that leads to Mia being seated on the top turnbuckle, and she is able to jump off with Bianca and uh, has her arms in, p- in position to land her um, her jawbreaker f- finish with her with her knee and she gets the pin and it looks like she's on to Shayna next possibly or who knows but or maybe this continues because their run has been pretty good with matches back and forth and um, you know if there's any right now it seems to only be like four major players in the women's single division so EO says that she's not done with Shayna. Maybe there's a match between... Maybe there's a part to rebuild uh, EO to get her heat back to go back after Shayna again. Who knows? Um, but uh, we'll see next week because next week is going to be a kick-ass uh, show. But that's the end of the show. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this um, with. Tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv, the sponsor of this show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code social suplex to get your free month's trial. Don't forget to visit the pro wrestling tees.com slash, uh, social suplex, um, spot and pick up the official social suplex podcast network merchandise. Be sure to check out our other shows on social suplex, uh, on Sundays, we have One Nation Radio. On Tuesdays, we have Keeping It Strong Style. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Podcast. Every other Wednesday, we have Grown Men Watch This Shit. On Thursday, we, Thursdays, we have this show, NXT Then Not Forever. On Fridays, we have Get In The Ring. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite. Thanks for listening. Later. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 